What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Miltrick Media. I'm sitting down with UK artist Oscar Bryan. Oscar, how's it going? Thank you for being here. Yeah, no worries, man. I'm a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Let's let's go. <laughs> yeah, you're saying it's one it's one a.m. in the morning right now, mate. It's one in the morning. It's quarter past one in the morning, but it's all right because I uh, I'm a late uh, sleeper, so I'll be all right. I won't be falling asleep just yet. <laughs> yeah, no, the same with me. I had a long day too. Before we move forward, it's not one question. Kent, I'm noticing on the um, the monitor, like I look like it's a little bit of a delay. Is that normal? Like when I'm looking at me? Okay, cool. Just want to double check. Because yeah, it looked like like my mouth is like slower than the words. That's normal though, right? It won't be like that in playback? Okay, cool. All right, cool. Yeah, it's the same with me as well. I, I, mine's a delay in my video as well. Oh, perfect. Okay. All right, so we'll yeah. continue moving. It's 1 a.m. right now in the UK. You're being a trooper right now. I appreciate it. <laughs> I see you got the hard no worries, days. Man. You got the hard days night album cover in the background. That's sick. That's my favorite Beatles record, yeah. dude. Really? What a coincidence, man. No, it's it's a brilliant record. And it's um actually an original. It's my grandma's. Oh. Um, it, I found it in my granddad's shed. And then I was like, you know. Dude, yeah, that was the first record. Because like my, my parents were big Beatles fans. And they were one of the first bands I ever heard of when I was little and I was blown away by it. I was like six or seven, but that was the first record I heard of them, like Hard Day's Night, like, cause it was blue and gray and it looked sick. And I was like, wow, what is this? And they're all looking like, they have the face, like they were making different faces. And I'm like, oh, wow, like, what is this? It's just like four people on this cover and look like kind of like the Brady Bunch style cover or something like that. I don't know, but it was just cool. Yeah, like, it's so sick. Yeah. yeah. And, and have you seen the film? Have you seen the uh, Hard yeah, Day's Night yeah. film? Yeah. 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 That was, it's crazy how huge they were back then. But, Let's get into Crazy, your man. career and you as an artist. So you first started releasing music in 2020. And the first single you released is, uh, what's this, what is it, in 2020? What's this, what is it all for? Was that the first single you released? Yeah, what is it good for, yeah. What is it good for? Yeah, it was, um, I, um, that was my first release under my name, you know, as my solo name. But I was, I've been through, uh, I've been in bands um, since I was about 14. Um, and then I thought when, it was just when, the whole COVID thing happened and uh, everyone thought, you know, everyone was just locked inside and I thought, you know what, I'm going to do this under my own name and I'm going to record. And then it turns out that I um, picked up quite a pace and now I've just released an album. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's it. I started playing bands almost right around the same time. Like when I was 16, I formed my first band in high school and it was like a lot of alternative rock we were doing. Like that was my, that was my favorite genre at the time. And that was me too. Like before I started releasing music now under my solo name, like, which is Miltrick, it was all bands. It's cool how you branched out. Like, yeah, the last couple of years really shifted a lot. Yeah, I think a lot of people did it as well. Like, um, you know, going solo. Um, there's a lot of artists that really have come out of bands and then made to do solo because of the whole COVID thing. So now we've got like a load of solo artists now. But I mean, it's not a bad thing. Um but it's just all about networking now and getting back with people. Yeah, 100%. So even when you released that debut single back in 2020, how long ago before the release did you write that song? Like, was that in your arsenal for years? Did you bang it out throughout the pandemic early on? Like, let's talk about that song and the story behind it. Tell you what, that one was, um, that was a bit strange, that one, because um, I had loads of back, um, backlog of music that I'd written um, from about 2017, 2018. Um, 
but then it was just one of those like I'm big into my producing as well so I would just sat there you know coming up with riffs and then the words came and it was almost instant you know what I mean like it just it just dropped so it was like this seems right carried on working on it and then it would just became that natural progression of being this is going to be the first single so yeah it worked out quite well so it's one of those isn't it yeah so that you produced that song you were the self-produced that song yeah it, it, yeah it was um a very big learning curve because before that you know i've worked with producers and things like that and i was a bit nervous to put it out because of it being self-produced you know i thought yeah. people are really going to judge the production on it um but no one's um really like been like that's awful produ- producing so <laughs> it worked out all right yeah what would you say let's compare and contrast like you've worked with producers and then now you've also produced your own music what do you like better now after doing both i think they both have their own different um i mean you have more freedom i feel like um and you can you you can build into your vulnerability a bit more when you're on your own you know what i mean you're not scared to hold back um Whereas with a producer, sometimes you feel like, especially it's someone you've only just met, you know, you don't, you don't have that deep kind of connection to be able to just open everything up. So using networking with other people and work with other producers is good because of how talented some of them are and how much they can bring a song out in the way you didn't imagine it, you know, the first way around. Um, but then again, like on my own, I've worked thinking, you know, this is really, if it's heartfelt music, you know, a really deep um, emotional story or whatever, something quite personal to me, I'll always produce it myself. But you never turn down the idea of working with producers because some of them are just absolutely amazing, you know. So uh, there's no really comparison. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, I've produced songs on my own, but now I'm trying to get back out there and network as much as possible now that, you know, now everything's open again. Also, it's a new year and just all that. Like I'm trying to network as much as possible again, like you were talking about. And I want to try and work with new producers, but yeah, there's pros and cons to both. There's great attributes to both, basically. Yeah, that's a great point. How I, long? Yeah, I feel like... Oh, sorry, man. No, you're good. What were you saying? No, you're good. Uh, I was going to say, um, especially as well, like you need to make... I feel like you need to make a good um relationship with the producer and use the same one you know what i mean for a long yeah. time um if depending on the type of music that you're doing but because they can really understand the sound that you want to go with as well like i've tried it you know going with different producers each time but it's like you're starting off from the first stage again because you're trying to explain and they're not understanding so it's like you know it's back and forth but if it's someone that you've worked with for a long time they know what you want the outcome to be do you know what i mean yeah, like some records, like I noticed a lot of like pop and hip hop records, they have a lot of producers on the album sometimes. Sometimes it's executive produced by one or two, or sometimes there's a lot of producers. But rock and roll, I've noticed like some rock albums, it's usually just like one or two executive producers. Have you noticed that as well? Yeah, yeah, definitely. If you look at like, a, like especially with the Beatles, like we were saying before, um, they always had that one producer, I forgot his name. What's his name? Oh, was it George Martin, right? He'll come back. Yeah, 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 George yeah, Martin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and then Glyn Johns as well was like a mixing engineer, I think. But throughout their career, it was just those, I think. I mean, they had a few, few ones that came on board, but it was mainly George Martin. You know what I mean? And that's, I think that probably is reason well helped the Beatles being so big. Yeah. No, yeah, exactly. And like, 
you were saying building that relationship with the producer that could really like just change the trajectory of the music. It could really take in a whole direction. Like as almost I've read, I've read a lot and like watched a lot of documentaries with either artists or bands. Like when they had that rapport with a producer, it's like they became an extra member of the band and just took the definitely like a whole you, different place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. George Martin was the fifth Beatle. Yeah. So let's talk about even your most recent release, Bluebird. So Bluebirds is an album that just came out in 2022, correct? Or was it late 2021? Yeah, no, yeah. 2022 is February. So not long ago, two months ago. So did you self-produce that album? Um, Nine songs. Yeah. One of the songs with the producer. Yeah. That's awesome. So the rest of it was, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So did you produce and write it all? from your hometown in the UK? Like, where were you working when you were making this album? Was it at home or did you go to a studio? So, um, basically, I work along alongside um, one of my good friends. He's also my bass player in my live band. But Harry, he's my co-writer as well. So we'll usually get together. And he's just kind of the catalyst with things, you know what I mean? So, like, I'll have an idea and it's just good to bounce off someone. So um, we already, like, we started off writing it um, just between houses, you know what I mean? Going to each other's house, you know? And then we started to link up and then get into the studio, but it was a a mix of recording in a rehearsal room sometimes, you know what I mean? Just mic yeah. up amps in a rehearsal room um, because I, I could just bring down my equipment, you know, my mics and stuff like that and would record yeah. bits here and there. There was never one long um, studio session. It was always bits in different locations but because I study in university as well, I do music. I study music at Salford, so we have um, studios there as well. So using those studios was a big help as well, because you know it's free. Well, technically, yeah. you know. So yeah. instead of forking out, we could just book that out and be like, let's smash this song out today and stuff like that. So it was just bits and bobs here and there. Yeah, that was similar to my experience as well, because I went to school for music industry and audio arts production at university in the states and. They had facilities on campus, like their own studio. And I would try and be there whenever I can. Like I miss it because it was free. But I tried to book yeah. overnights, book overnights whenever I can. And I miss it. Like that's where I started off writing on. That's where I started writing like my first solo songs that I came out with like over the last couple of years. Like it's insane. I was the same thing with University oh, Studios. Yeah. I miss it so much. Yeah. yeah. So you're currently yeah, independent, right? You're currently an independent artist or you're assigned to a label? Yeah, I'm currently independent. Yeah, I've I've worked between a few different promoters and things like that. But um, yeah, management and stuff like that is all my own decision. Yeah, so that's sick. So you've done some work with promotion companies. You tried to reach out and work with promotional companies. What would you say advice to new independent artists if they want to work with promotion companies? How do you advise them on reaching out and getting started with working with promotional companies? I think, well, from where I'm from, from the UK. Um, uh, from Manchester there's a very quite a close uh, music scene so for me it was like you gotta just get out there playing and then just word of mouth um, and personally I just think don't be afraid to chat to um, to anybody because someone knows someone that knows someone you know what I mean so it's like always big yourself up um, advertise yourself even if it's just a stranger, advertise yourself because you don't know who they are and you don't know. So, and, and as well with the help of social media now, you can you can kind of look at people similar to your kind of level of success and then see who they're lit tagging in and things like that, following them, DMing them. Don't be shy to DM people because, you know, it doesn't hurt to ask. And then 
because there's so much music out there as well. Um, these promotional companies, you know, look everywhere and there's so many bands and artists. So it's literally about just pestering. You know what I mean? To you just got to pester. Yeah. Yeah. To point, yeah. And that goes back to what we talked about earlier, the networking, just being out there and playing as much as possible and trying to just meet new people. You never know who you may meet, who they may know. And yeah, that could really influence your career in a great positive way. That brings me, that brings that brings me to a point that I that I was thinking of recently and even in general with artistry and in the industry A and R artist repertoire. So back then, before social media, it was a lot of in person stuff. Record labels had A and R individuals go out to shows and meet the bands. And now, over the last few decades, it's changed. You're we're both independent artists currently. How do you think A and R has changed over the last 20, 30 years? Do you think now social media? And live, like, do you think social media matters more than live performance and in person, or do you think it goes hand in hand? It's a good question. Uh, I think nowadays you see a lot of these um, TikTok kind of influencers now becoming signed to labels and singing. You know what I mean? So I feel like I've, I know it's it's horrible to say, but I feel like eighty percent of A and R now is through social media. I mean, some people that have never played one show are now getting signed to labels. You know what I mean? That's crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, if you said that to someone 30 years ago, they'd be like, they'd be, they would have having none of it, you know? Yeah. So it's just the fact of like how much has changed. And um, yeah, like for my instance, what I said before, you got to play live, but I think that's just for that kind of live circuit. But I think for more the pop, the rap, that kind of stuff, very much social media and TikTok, like a lot of it is TikTok. Yeah. Yeah. And that's cool. Listen, I guess it's 2022, like whatever helps you get noticed, whatever helps elevate your career. That's what I've realized, which is fascinating. There is no one way to success anymore because of social media. Like it could happen overnight. You could be grinding for years, but like anything could change tomorrow. It's insane. If you just put yourself out there in person and in social media, it is. would you agree? But then again, yeah, I definitely agree. And I think as well, the same instant, it's like there's so much more as well now. There's so much more competi- uh, competition now. Do you know what I mean? Because like back, you know, obviously 30 years ago, there were still bands and artists trying to make it. But, you know, there was always one someone above because they were already starting to get seen. Whereas now everyone's at the same level. Everyone's got social media. Everyone's got access to everyone. So there's a lot more um, competition around. And it's just, even though it's really, really... Easy, easily accessible to reach these A and R people. It's probably harder because there's so many more people trying to do that. So, yeah, yeah. you got you have to find a way to cut through the clutter. Mm, definitely, definitely. Yeah. So, you produce your own music and your song So you're a songwriter. You produce your own music. We were talking about your journey with producing on your own. Now, like we were saying, we're cutting through the clutter. Do you think that? As a songwriter, it's important to at least learn the basics of producing and mixing so you could get a song started from scratch. 100%. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because if you, even if you, it doesn't have to be production to the quality of ready to release, but the fact that you can start the production on a song, you have a working demo there already. You know what I mean? You can send that then to these A&R people, you can put it on TikTok and make your own sound. Do you know what I mean? You can you can really push whatever you make. But if you are just in denial of learning, you know, you're just 
you're just holding yourself back. Because anyone can learn nowadays. It's all on social media, like I say. It's all on YouTube. There's tutorials. You've got GarageBand, which is free. You know, it's just the basic version of Logic. You know, you've got so much access. So just go for it because that you've got nothing to lose. And like I say, it's probably a lot more beneficial than people think. Yeah, I started on GarageBand too. We got to take a moment to shout out mm-hmm. GarageBand. GarageBand's really the best. Is that what it you really started is, on man. as well? Did you get started on GarageBand yeah. as well when you first produced a song? Yeah, definitely. I saw, I started on GarageBand on like this really old um, beat-up Mac, like 2010 Mac or something ridiculous like that. Um, and it was dead slow. And it was like a really old version of GarageBand. But it, you know, it taught me like you know, just keep grinding, just keep making the songs and, and learn. You, you kind of figure things out, don't you? It's like a, it's like a jigsaw. You, you figure things, oh, that's how that works. That's how that works. And then you take it into the bigger picture and you think, how can I develop? So GarageBand is just as good as any other for learning. Yeah. Definitely. I started on GarageBand as well on a, tw- on a 2009 Mac using loops and trying to program. And yeah, it's not about yeah. which program you use. Apple, like it doesn't matter if you use Reason or Pro Tools or Logic. It's all or GarageBand. It's all about how you use it. That's the best part, you know. Definitely, definitely. So we t- I think we it's t- really fun as well. Yeah, no, hundred percent. We were t- so we were talking also a little bit before the show about starting our careers as musicians and artists and trying to wear numerous hats at once. We're our own record labels in a way. Starting out, you know, record labels. Yeah, one hundred percent. Record labels could can be a huge help. They could elevate your career to the next level, but also. The role of the mach- how do you think well the roles of record labels have changed? Do you think that record labels are as important as they were in the past? I don't think so. And to be fair, um I've always had this kind of theory on it, my own little uh, interpretation, shall we say. Um but back in the day, the only way you could make it was through a record label, because you couldn't afford to mass produce your own record. You know, it was physically impossible. But now Record labels are kind of an old-fashioned thing. I mean, that's me saying that's not in a record label, but I mean, it's the fact of they're kind of just big loans now. You know, you've got just as good promoters, just as good marketers out there that you just need to, you know, if you have the money, you can pay them yourself. It's literally, um, I think, just a big loan. And, you know, like you say, producers, there's producers out there that work freelance. There's, you know, all different people that, the record label would pay for you to go with are out there now for everyone to access. But unfortunately you need a lot of money and that's where they come in. So yeah, it can be very costly starting an independent music career. And you mentioned a great point, freelancing and working with freelancers. I've worked with freelancers on sites like Fiverr and Upwork and another great site for freelancers is Shopify. Those are three great sites for freelancers in those are three great sites for freelancers. And if you're a music producer and songwriter, you could use these freelance sites like Upwork, Fiverr, even Shopify to start your own store. There are. There's more tools than ever before, which is great. You could use all these things to your advantage. Well, yeah, with Fiverr, um, my the uh, if you've seen the album cover for my release, it's um, it's me and Harry walking across this this restaurant in Manchester called Blue's Kitchen, and that's what the lettering was. And we needed the lettering to change. So I actually got a graphic designer off Fiverr and he did re-lettered it to say Bluebirds. So yeah, I've used Fiverr as well. It's great. Like you could not tell the difference on that. When I show people that um, record cover, they think that 
the place was actually called Bluebirds. You know, yeah, so yeah. that's what I mean. The, the quality of people that are on there is insane. Like, and, and it's cheap as well. You know what I mean? For the services you're asking for. That's amazing. Yeah, I for, my, for like six of my singles I released in 2021, I used them all. For six of my singles in 2021, it was all from a graphic designer I found on Fiverr from the United Kingdom. And even like I got a couple of lyric videos done. Fiverr is a great site. Yeah, I've used Upwork too. But yeah, getting in contact, they have producers, they have ma- they have mastering engineers. It's it's insane. They have so many. Yeah, so many it's, it's crazy. Yeah. So have you heard of? Um, oh, oh you sorry. You no, you're good. You say move. No, uh, <laughs> it's with the delay. I'm like, uh, uh. Yeah. Um, have you heard of e mastering? I think it's called where it's like it's a mastering company, um, but they actually have hired like they're all freelance but the people that I've worked with really reputable artists like there's a master on there you know it's about 100 pound a track but you're getting like people that have masters for Dua Lipa the Killers the XS do you know what I mean like really big famous masters that will do your track so it's then again it's like usually labels will get that but these companies out there now getting those people so you can buy yourself so I haven't heard of that. I got to check it out. I've heard of certain sites where they go by the algorithm, like with Lander, then the automated mastering and people have done tests and, you know, you hear a slight difference, but also like the, it yeah. gets, it gets it just as much, but I've never heard of e-mastering. Like, yeah, I got to check it out. Cause Sorry, not, no, oh no, it's, it's not called e-mastering. It's called uh, Metropolis Mastering. Metropolis. Yeah. Metropolis. Metropolis. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. That sounds sick. I got to check it out. Yeah. Cause you didn't. Like you said, yeah, so that means you could get in contact with like major mastering engineers, names like that. Yeah, like like worked with like Post Malone, worked with Post Malone, Julie, per like big big names, man. Yeah. Oh wow, that's insane. That is it's insane. Yeah. So when you were releasing Bluebirds, trying to market on your own and get the record out, let's talk about how you budget as an independent artist. So did you make a budget and treat it like a business expense when you were leading up? To the release of Bluebirds. How'd you go about that? Yeah, so what I usually do is like I'll put aside like a, a savings account or something like that, like a, a split bank account that I'll I'll have it, I'll put a set amount in there. And then, you know, say I'll use this. And I kind of I mean my mother's an accountant, so she kind of helps me with things like That's that. Cool. But um she, you know, like trying to budget things, seeing what I can afford and, um, yeah, just going from there really. Um, but it's really good to have it in a separate account, you know, so you can really kind of separate it because especially with your personal life, you think, oh, I'll just take a bit out and then you skin, you know what I mean? So yeah. you've got to really, but yeah, I've, I, I'm not, I'm not major on financing. Like I'm a bit rubbish with money, but, um, I just spend it good. a lot, but yeah. Yeah, but I, yeah like but um i think we are all guilty of that um but yeah I, I try and do as much as i can and budget and you know when i get like a paycheck or whatever i'll, I'll definitely put a percentage of that straight to my music account so yeah, yeah in terms of that yeah yeah that's cool though yeah and like you were saying you set aside well you set aside a little bit of a budget for the cover art working with the freelancer who made it and like you know adjusting even that that was like a live picture from like inspiration your hometown that's great yeah 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 i don't think i'm i might go into that place and just say do you realize that you're on an album cover because you know i mean like they might actually they might actually like promote it you know what i mean you never know yeah they may actually promote it why not let's talk about collaboration so 
What do you think about? So actually, yeah. How important do you think collaborations are in the music industry? Oh yeah, super important. Yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely. Like you see a lot nowadays. Like a lot of artists is always featured, featured, featured. It's like it. As well as making a track better, because obviously more brains is better than one, you know, multiple yeah. brains, but also the fact of like fan bases crossing over, you know, so like what I really thought was really clever, do- cleverly done and in all aspects is with when Tame and Parla um, collabed with um, uh, Travis Scott and, you know, like really crossing genres like that is totally different aren't they like Tame Impala's like psychedelic rock and you know Travis Scott's like rap and um hip-hop so I think that was really clever and that that is a great example of like you should just do it you know um it's really beneficial really really beneficial um for like say um now Kevin Parker Tame Impala, um, his audience now would probably go and if they haven't heard of Travis Scott, will go and have a listen to Travis Scott. And same with Travis Scott, you know what I mean? Go and have a look at him. So it's it's not only musical um, it's good for, it's also great for just like getting your name out there. Yeah, 100%. Exactly. Getting your name out mm. there. You may find a new audience and a new market for your music and it kind of cross-pollinates. Like then like Travis Scott fans could become Tame Impala fans, Tame Impala fans. Etc. You go back and forth. Yeah, you think it's better yeah, for securing collaborations when you're making music, you're a songwriter. You think it's better to meet people in person or to connect via social media? I think in person, you know, because like you can do a lot via um, social media. Um, like there was a track that I released after. Um, it was the one just before uh, one just before my album. It was called First, featuring a. Um, female singer called Holly H X Y, but um, that was purely over social media. You know what I mean? Um, messaged over Instagram. I sent her the track. She sent me a raw files back. You know, a vocal um, track, and I mixed it in, and that worked out really well. But I feel like songs could just push that more connection. You can hear it in the music. You know, if someone's in the yeah. same room, you get that energy, and it gets it gets portrayed into the record. But I feel like energy is sometimes missed over social media. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's like a bit of a controversial statement, but I feel like it's benefits in both ways. Social media is great because you can do it with like, say for example, if you wanted to be on one of my tracks or I want to be on one of yours, yeah. we can do that over social media. You know, like that would never be able to happen. You live on the other side of the world. Yeah, even though we're um, yeah, even though we're in two different continents, yeah, it could happen via social media, which is great. You could it opens up the door. Yeah. It, yeah. That's a great point. So yeah, you yeah, are it's, it's, yeah. I, I am. Say, yeah, I, so if you can't tell from my accent. <laughs> so what was it like growing up in Manchester? So how does how has that influenced your music? What was the music scene like out there? I think the music scene. I'm be, I'm being biased, but I think the music scene in uh, Manchester is like one of the best because there's so much, um, yeah. so many live venues. You know, small venues, big venues. Um, and obviously got quite a few famous artists that come out of Manchester as well. I think Scott on the last, last podcast was saying about, you know, Oasis and the Smiths, um, and the 1975 as well. Um, you know, all from Manchester. So it's got this kind of repertoire of having like really good, um, musical upbringing and yeah, it just has, it's had amazing, um, 
impact on my music you know i feel like everyone's a big music fan wherever i live like there's not some there's not somebody you bump into that don't like music you know what i mean you'll always bump into someone you know get chatting about music go to the go to a pub go to a bar and there'll be debates about music and people are drunkenly singing you know what i mean it's just part of the culture so yeah definitely yeah. it's had a big impact yeah yeah so what would you say the genre of your music is especially your most recent record bluebird would you say that what would you say the genre of your music is um well i'd say like classic rock inspired like 70s rock inspired um with like a bit of folk rock but i don't i don't actually know myself to be honest um it's one of those it's it was a lot of influences on it um that i feel like i've took into consideration and of quite a lot of difference you know like elo so electric light orchestra um david bowie um and then i listened a very heavily to uh, all things must pass you know the album by george harrison solo record yeah. and that's quite that's quite folky it's like folk rock um so yeah i'd say like classic rock but with a bit of like balladesque orchestration because it's got quite like bit it's got strings on it and things like that yeah um but yeah it's probably, say rock yeah yeah no i've even from listening to the record, like, yeah, like, I feel there's a lot of a, there's a big rock influence on there, which is pretty cool. Yeah. It reminded me of like 70s, kind of like pop inspired rock and roll from that era. Yeah. It was cool. And that's cool. The influences yeah, you mentioned, on. I didn't even expect that. Like ELO, David Bowie. Yeah. That's a cool wide array of influences from that era. Yeah, definitely. I think um, like, it's really funny because when people just say to me, like, describe what genre you, genre you are, I'm like, uh, I don't know, mate. You know, I mean, it's just, <laughs> I don't know how, I don't know how to explain it. Um, know, just yeah. rock. I feel, yeah. I feel like, especially when we're making music, if you release music, you're kind of sometimes forced to answer that question and come up with it. You need to come up with the niche in order to promote and market if you want to do advertisements or if you want to just make content. Right? Do you ever feel that pressure where it's like, oh, like you want to create in a certain niche or style so you can maybe then market more effectively? Do you ever feel that pressure? Yeah, totally. And I, I, do you feel that pressure as well? Like when you're making yeah, your music, because it's I like do. you don't want to, you don't want to pigeonhole yourself to be like, yeah. this is this is what I am, and you don't want to like go into making a song being like, this has to be this genre, it has to sound like this genre. Yeah. But like in a perspective of marketing like it's really hard when you're trying to get that target audience you know for your ads and it's like for fans of you know when you label a few exactly. artists or whatever and it's like i don't know you know it's so hard but you've got to do it because you can't just say i have no genre <laughs> so exactly yeah. yeah like what you just described bluebirds was and what your style would be then you wouldn't you wouldn't market to let's say jazz fans or you know, yeah. like '90s <laughs> hip hop fans. So it's like, even though we, even though we're not necessarily a business, we are like a business if we want to be releasing music, no matter what. So that's what's always so, fascinating me too. Like, we have to do the groundwork on our own at first. Would you agree with that too? Like, even though we're just starting out, we're independent. Oh, yeah. We gotta even before. Oh yeah, we definitely. Get with a label, yeah, before we even get with a label, we have to kind of build our ground up on their own like build their own audience get popping on our own you know yeah definitely and it's like a um someone said this quote to me and i can't remember who it was but he said um 
I think it was a marketer actually. They said, um, people won't invest in you because you're like, you're essentially the product. You know, if you look at yourself as a business, people won't invest in you unless, the, uh, sorry, they won't invest in your music if they're not invested in you. So it's like, you're the, you're the business and your music's your product. You know, like say for example, I don't know, put it into perspective of like, you're going to go to McDonald's first before you go to an independent fast food because you know it's McDonald's. You know what I mean? You've got yeah, to make a good yeah. name for yourself and then people listen to you. So people have that stigma as well. Like a lot of people don't go into listening to new independent artists because they don't know them. You know what I mean? So like you say, yeah, you've got to really, you've got to really put yourself out there before your music in a way, really. But that's hard. It's really difficult. Yeah, you're right. I agree with you on some points with that. You have to build a name for yourself first because people like what they like. They listen to what they listen to. And even with the McDonald's example, yeah, the brand loyalty, you know that more than let's say something not as well known, something independent. So you go with what you know sometimes. You're not always actively yeah, searching. I think it's I think it's human nature for us to do that. You know, it's what what you're comfortable with. You know, so you're used to something. It's uh, we don't like the fear of the unknown sometimes. So it's like go for something you're used to because you know it. So yeah, that's why I think anyway. So when you were making this album, Bluebirds, what was the favorite memory you have of making this record? Your oh, favorite that's memory. A good question. Your favorite memory from the album <sighs> process. Oh wow. Um, let me have a think. Yeah, no worries. You can take. It. Uh, <laughs> um, to be fair, it was when it was summer. Um, when we were writing, and I remember being. And I feel like I wanted the album to portray that. And that's the most thing, I, you know, that's the most significant thing I can remember is just the nice weather. Um, and then when we're in the room and the excitement of hearing something coming together and being like, this is it, man. This is like, this This sounds professional, you know, it sounds done. And um, yeah, that, I mean, it's probably a lot more, but my brain just isn't, I could, I could, I'll probably say it dead later on, about, uh, you know what I mean? Um, but I just can't remember. No. That's about it, man. I don't know. I don't know. What's your favorite part about songwriting? Um, definitely. So, what do you mean in terms of like lyrical first and then music first or like the, out of the whole process? Out of the whole process. Like, is it therapeutic for you when you're writing a song and when you finish it? Just in general, what's your favorite part about the whole process if you have one? I think the favorite part for me is um, it always, it always, I always remember this part of when I write a song is I'll be sat wherever you know in my room or somewhere like that, just in my house. Um, just, you know, and do you ever you probably have it yourself as well when you just you know noodling about or whatever, and then the idea comes to you and something just drops and then it just it just happens. It's a natural. And so I think for me, it's initially getting that idea and writing those lyrics down and getting that melody because the production's fun in itself, but you know, it gets a bit tiresome sometimes when you've heard the same song about over a hundred times, but it's the first time you hear it. I think that is my favorite part. 
Yeah. Yeah, that's what I sometimes I've gotten tired of my own demos because I'm trying to listen to them too much and tweak certain details that probably didn't even need any changing to begin with. And you get in your yeah, definitely, and then you start to hate it, don't you? You start to hate, yeah, hundred percent. That's happened to me. Mm. That's happened to me with Mm. Bluebirds. With Bluebirds, this most recent with Bluebirds, this most recent record. Do you have an all-time favorite song? Which song was the most fun to make for you? Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I think personally the most fun to make was Silver Screen. It's the last one. It's quite a slow one. It's quite progressive. Um, but it was just the whole... Because it's got quite a complex moving chord progression. You know, a lot of my other songs are quite fun, quite simple, just four bars, four chords, you know, that kind of thing. And then just... But that is my favorite silver screen. It's, it's just because of when I was playing the piano and it was blah, 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 blah. And then it just all all made sense. And then putting it all together and the whole sign design. We've got like a big bit of sound design at the end, if you've listened to that tune, um, of like weird sounds that we were, like me and Harry were just messing around with, like getting weird amp sounds and, yeah, yeah. you know, and just adding all this clutter into it and just making it something excusable as music. But I think that is my favorite because it's so it's so progressive and it has a lot of movement. Yeah. No, that, that was a cool dynamic mm. added, like all those extra sounds. Yeah. It brought a new character to it. That yeah, definitely. Cool. And I think as well, like I'm dead excited to play that live. I've got my, um, album launch show on the 8th of May. That's in Manchester. I've got that. Um, and I can't wait to play that tune live as well. So that'd be really good. So let's talk about that. What live shows do you have coming up? So I have this launch show, um, which is like in a month, isn't it now? Yeah. Um, that I've, I prepared so much for that because we've put it on ourselves. You know what I mean? We've rented the venue. We've had to like, basically, instead of me being just an artist, I've got like events managed, everything. And, you know, you know, it, it's, it's really made me take my hat off to people that run events because it's bloody difficult. But, um, Yes, yeah, so we've got that show and then we've got a few festivals lined up. I don't, I, I can't say yet, but we do have a few. Um, I did one last year that was called Soul Fest. That was in North Cumbria, but that was really cool. Um, nice. But yeah, apart from apart from that show and a few other festivals, um, I'm kind of still like looking, I'm looking to get on a bit of a promotion side Um to do with like support slots and things but i need to network a bit more you know because it's summer coming up and a lot of gigs happen in summer so i think i need to pull my finger about finger out a bit and uh, get some more gigs lined up yeah get, but get yeah more. so I, I wish i had more to say but i actually don't have that many apart from that one no it's all good have you ever played a show in the united states do you have any planned no i really want to though uh, I'm, i was looking um at trying to get in uh, you know south by southwest yeah 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 it just happened i believe yeah it yeah. happens in march yeah yeah, yeah. you gotta try and play in yeah, new york I'm too just, man new york yeah city, even in LA. i need to i really need to, I, I, mate new york la and all that just got such famous like you know musical um they're just so famous for musical places and i'd love to but i'd need to get a fan base out there like you know i can't i couldn't afford to do it with no fan base but yeah breaking america is hard if you're from the uk no i know what you mean but in general Mm. what are your biggest musical influences who are your favorite artists um probably probably um george harrison 
Uh, I just love his solo stuff. Something about it just is amazing. And and recently as well, I've got into like the Monkees. Have you heard of the Monkees? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tommy James, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because he had the Tommy James and the Shondells as a side group. But he was the singer of the Monkees, right? Yeah, yeah. And I got got into them and like... Oh, Oh, sorry. Continue. And... I'm trying to think who else. Um, Yeah, I love David Bowie as well. David Bowie is like number one, man. So for instance, David Bowie and George Harrison, those two, why are they your favorite artists? I think because the proper classic songwriting, you know, it wasn't, it was classed as pop music, but the way Bowie evolves his songs, you know, he's telling a story and it takes you on like this kind of path. Um, There's a lot of artists that, you know, they make the songs for the radio, the pop songs, but you know, you listen to it about 10 times and then you know it off by heart. But I feel like with these artists, you can listen to these songs 50 to a hundred times. And you can hear something brand new every time you listen to it. There's something there that you've not noticed before. And I think that is really interesting. And, it, you know, hats off to them because that must be very, very difficult to implicate into a song. Like, you know, I think it's just so interesting the way that they can take you on a journey. Yeah. How they take you on a journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a great point. What's next for Oscar Bryant, the artist? What else do you want to promote and let the audience know? Well, I um, so I've got this gig, um, but I mean, if you're watching from America, I don't think you'd be able to make it. <laughs> but um, I've got good. this gig. I've got <laughs> hopefully one day, man. Yeah, they can follow you um, on, on social media. You'll let us know in a minute what your other socials are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then I've got a new single that I've just finished already after finishing the album. Um, I think we're going to drop that in a few weeks, maybe. Uh, I don't have a date yet, which is annoying. But um, yeah, I just want to get more music out there, get the more gigs in. Because um, after this next single, then I want to do like a like a B-side to that single. And then yeah. I maybe drop an EP. We've just got so much content. We've got about 100 songs that I'm sat on. So it's like, I'm just trying to like keep that progression going while it's there you know what i mean keep the ball rolling i mean nowadays i don't think there's ever too much to release i, th- I feel like i could just release a thousand songs and you know i don't know but yeah just pushing more music man and just networking with people getting the gigs in and yeah doing things like this man no i agree yeah it's like why not release as many songs as you can you have fun and you see where it goes you never know where it may go you yeah it's just at the end of the day it's a little bit of fun yeah it's all fun and you're, yeah. you're independent you, you have control of your career you can do whatever you'd like in terms of releasing as much music as possible. 100%, man. 100%. What, what, let them know, let everyone know, where can we find you on social media? Where can we follow you? So on Instagram is at Oscar Bryant Music. Um, same for Facebook. Um, I'm trying to market myself on TikTok a bit more. So if you want to follow me on TikTok, it's Oscar Bryant Music as well. Um, that's just hard, man. TikTok is... is difficult i mean it's good for progression but i mean it's just hard to think of something to do on that um yeah so instagram facebook uh tiktok and twitter as well oscar brent hq but yeah that's that's everything really man oh and youtube we've got a youtube channel as well i'm trying to drop um i'm dropping a mini documentary in in a few weeks that i forgot about um just the whole process of yeah man so i have a videographer um and a cool team around me and um 
they managed to basically record me while me and like everyone that I work with alongside with this album and put it into like a documentary. So, you know, I'm going to be releasing that and hopefully get um, looking at releasing it on Amazon Prime as well. So that's amazing. Yeah, that should that's be great. cool. Doing a behind the scenes documentary. That's a, doing a behind the scenes yeah. documentary. That's a great way to promote the album release. Honestly, mate, it's um, it's really nice to see that as well because it's something things you you see yourself in third person, don't you? So I think people would really like to. I think it's quite interesting to see you know yourself doing it, but also for other people just seeing the progression of you can listen to that song and you can see how that song was made. You know. Yeah, hundred percent. Any last thing you'd like to share with the audience? Any last details about That's you? About it, man. Stream, stream the, uh, stream the record. Enjoy yourselves, and um, yeah, hopefully see you soon. Yeah, for sure. Well, Oscar, thank you for coming on another episode of Miltrick Media. It was cool to sit down, and learn about your journey as an artist, and especially the new record, Bluebirds. Guys, if you're listening, go check out his newest record on Spotify. It's just Oscar Bryant, right on all streaming platforms. That's the artist's name, correct? Yeah, yeah, that's correct, man. Yeah. Yeah. I just like want to say said, thank you for having me on as well. Oh, of course. Yeah. Thank you for coming on. Yeah. It's really cool to talk with artists from the UK. Like I said, I, I want to get out there ASAP. I have like, you know, I love learning about the UK. I just, I love the UK. I just want to get to Europe. But yeah, nah, it was cool to have you on. Yeah. And yeah, check but um, so you'll have to let me, you'll have to send me your music as well. Cause I, che- I want to check your music out as well. So yeah, hundred percent. I got you guys. Make sure to follow them on all social mm-hmm. media platforms, Oscar Bryant music and Oscar. Thank you again for coming on the show. And for everyone listening and watching, thank you, thank so, you so, much. so much. And yes, we will see Take you care. soon. Cheers, man.